the nonprofit Social Media Summit is back and better than ever. This year, the summit is all virtual and coming directly to your screens on November 2nd and 3rd. Speakers include Amy Sample Ward, Afua Bruce, Lisa Mae Brunson, and of course, yours truly, and many more. We're covering everything from TikTok to time management, Facebook ads to influencer marketing. Get your free ticket at nonprofitsocialmediasummit.com, and I'll see you there. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell. Thanks so much for being here today. The topic is lead generation campaigns, Facebook ads, online ads, social media ads. What are they? How can we use them? Really the who, what, when, where, why of lead gen campaigns. And my guest today is Dana Snyder. I'm really excited. Dana, is your your first time on the podcast. It is. I'm super pumped to be here. Yes. So Dana, if you do not know, she's a speaker, a podcast host, and a digital marketing strategist, the founder of Positive Equation. Her mission is to teach nonprofits how to transform their online experiences through digital marketing strategies and the use of new technology. Dana frequently speaks on innovative ways for nonprofits to increase their online fundraising efforts with guests on her own podcast, Missions to Movements. And Dana is speaking for the second year in a row at the Nonprofit Social Media Summit. It's going to be all about how to use Facebook ads, social media ads to amplify your Giving Tuesday or your year-end campaigns. So just go to nonprofitsocialmediasummit.com. And you can sign up there for free. I'm so excited, Dana, to have you back at the summit um, and to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Me too. Thank you. And honestly, like everything that they're going to learn in the summit, they can utilize all year long. doesn't have to be just for year end. We got to hook them in with the Giving Tuesday. But yeah, you can. these are topics. These are really themes that you can use all year long. That's a really great point. So I, want, I usually start off my, my podcast interviews with a little bit of your backstory. Like where did you start your nonprofit journey? Yeah, I really started my journey, I think, <laughs> during college when I was a participant and then became on the executive board for our dance marathon at the University of Central Florida. Go Knights, if there's any night listeners in the audience. But dance marathon, for those that aren't familiar, like what the heck are you talking about, is in now, I think over a hundred universities across the country, and each university supports their local children's medical network hospital. UCF, it was the largest student-run philanthropy, and you dance a choreographed dance every hour on the hour for 
Some events are 12 hours, some are 24. I think at one point, I don't know. 24 hours. Yeah, 24 hours. I don't know if some did this. I feel like Florida State at one point had like a 36-hour one. You cannot sit down. Not sit. So you you start by like kneeling and then you get up and you stand and you cannot sit down until the very end of the event. And so I think that was my really, my role on the exec board when I got on the board was external director. And so I was a 19 year old going out into the community and trying to get corporate partnerships before I really understood like what that really was and entailed. And what's just fascinating is, I mean, I was in college, I graduated in 2010. And so I was part of DM world from 2007 till 2010. And we were raising 80 ish thousand dollars. And now yearly, they're raising over a million dollars. That's incredible. So what do you do now? Tell me about how you work with nonprofits, how you help them, some of the strategies that you teach them. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. My, my career, as soon as I left college, I worked for a nonprofit and social media was just naturally at that time growing and being used for businesses. Like it was still really early days. Like if you remember back then in 2007, was the first, I think it was the first year very early on where you used your .edu email address to get a Facebook account. And so, yeah, it's like weird thinking about it like that. And then Instagram was happening where we were all like posting sepia tone photos (laughs) and businesses were starting to use it and then slowly became ads. And at that time, I, I left my nonprofit job. I went to go work in New York City for a corporate agency. And they were actually, at the time, just building out a couple years later their digital team, which was kind of fascinating to think about because now it's a no-brainer for a PR agency to have a digital department. But they were still figuring out what that looked like. And so we were running ads. And as an agency, we had access to trainings from the platforms and the tools. And so over my time, over the five years in New York, I was learning all these things and just realized I wanted to take them to the industry that I really felt passionate about. And that was with nonprofits. So now I do a lot of work in social advertising. So teaching nonprofits how to utilize ads based on aligning their business goals with the right ad objective, which I know we're going to dive into a bit here and helping orgs build their monthly giving programs are kind of my two jams. Oh, nice. Okay. Things that are so needed, but you're right. When you started out, maybe we're not on everyone's radar. Yeah. And it's, it's changed and evolved. And I think, I mean, maybe the reason you and I are both in this space, it changes all the time. So there's always something new to learn and be refreshed on and give updates on. And it, I am a curious person and like constant learner by nature. So maybe that's why I'm in this space. (laughs) But I I really enjoy it, to be honest. It's really fun when personally myself, if I'm running ad campaigns and I see them working and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And the same, I get really energetic when I'm working with a client and they get super pumped when they're like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And they feel so confident. I think that's what gets me continuously so excited about working in this space. So let's start from the beginning, just to make sure that everyone listening knows what we're talking about. What is lead generation and why is it important for nonprofits? Yeah. So lead generation in terms of, and I'm going to speak to the social ad space, is when you're looking to acquire new email subscribers. 
specifically if you're running a lead gen campaign, acquiring new email subscribers using Facebook's built-in lead gen forms. So I think we all probably remember, I think it was last year when Facebook, Instagram like shut down for a day and everyone was like, what in the world? Like, what if they were to not exist? I still believe, obviously I have a love for social, but having a strong, passionate email subscriber base is so important. And so the lead generation ads allow you a way to bring in a new audience to your email list. Now, I will say there's another way to do this that might be more common and known for people, and that's a conversion ad where you're sending someone to your website, your website to fill out a form. But typically, I've seen a lower cost when you're using a lead gen ad um, because you're keeping people on Facebook and Facebook's able to track all of that data with those forms. Um, What I will say is to make sure to get high quality emails, leads, is you can play around with adding custom fields to that Facebook form instead of just first name and email address. So I think it's really great. I teach the idea of a lead magnet. So something of value about your mission or org, instead of just like, join my email newsletter, I like to say, subscriber, like download this video or download this checklist or something that really helps to draw in the right people. That's the most important. And then be, of course, invite them to give their email address. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about that because I think it's a really important facet of social media that people need to understand. Like you have to be providing something of value if you're going to be especially getting an email address (laughs) because people do not give up their email so kind of willy-nilly these days and they don't want to necessarily join another email list, but they might want to join a movement and learn three ways to end food insecurity in their community. Right. Or download a worksheet they can do with their kids and their family at home or activity or something. Right. I encourage nonprofits to really think about like all the curricula and all of the education and everything you have to offer that you're currently giving away for free. Potentially you could give it away for an email address. Do you have any other examples of what other kind of, you know, lead magnets people could create ads around? I mean, I think that's a great example. There is so much content you probably have as an organization. Think about any webinars you've done or videos with teaching, or I just like very simple. You don't have to get fancy with this. I think we sometimes get stuck on, I have to make something beautiful and no, open a Google doc. And you could literally, one of my favorites is list top 10, like books, documentaries, shows like on your topic matter. So somebody can get more informed. That is such a simple one for people to understand maybe the history or real life examples of what's going on. And again, just make it a Google doc, but, but that is something of value where, I mean, I don't know how many times I sit on Netflix and I'm looking for something to watch and I'm randomly scrolling where if I had a list of something that I was really interested in. And I think the, yes, it's the value exchange, but I think what it really does is instead of just saying, Hey, join my newsletter and then I'm going to forget about it. You are building a more passionate group of people when they are wanting that piece of information. So it helps to build a more qualified group of people. And I think that's important. Exactly. And do you remember back in the day, everyone just wanted to have contests? 
They're like throwing around contests and giving away an iPad or giving away whatever the shiny new tool was. And sure, you'd get a ton of emails, but they just want the iPad. They're not interested in your mission and they're not really interested in building that long-term relationship with you. They just kind of want that iPad. So I love this idea of creating a lead magnet or a piece of collateral that they can get because if they're interested in that, they're probably going to be interested in your mission, your vision, and your values. Yeah. And you could think about different audiences. So in the great thing with ads is you can be specific for who you're sending the ad to, who you put to reach. I remember seeing an ad um, from the Wildlife Fund and they had a download that was specific for educators. So they were trying to inform like teachers about this exercise, this workshop or that kids could do at in the classroom versus you could frame that very differently if you're trying to target parents who have kids between the age of six to nine, right? So you can change your messaging and what that lead magnet might be dependent upon the audience that you're trying to reach. I think that's a really important point to make. So what is lead generation versus reach on social media? So if, if we're paying for ads, do you find that one is more effective than the other? Sort of what's the difference between generating a lead versus just reaching more people? I think they're both important for different reasons. So lead gen is specifically looking to target emails versus if you're running a reach campaign, you're literally just looking to get eyeballs overall on that content that you are putting in that ad campaign. And to your point, this is actually a really good topic, which is ads are designed for specific objectives. So if you're running a reach campaign, you should not be expecting to get emails <laughs> or vice versa, right? Or if you're running a reach campaign, you're like, why isn't this getting me donations? It's That's because the ad is specifically set up to give you what you're asking for. So if you want emails, you should run a lead gen or a conversion campaign for emails versus if you're just reach is really, really great for consistently being top of mind. We unfortunately both know that organic reach has gone down over the years. That's not a surprise to anybody. And what you can do with those reach campaigns is all the time and the energy that you spent on that organic content that you really want people to see, maybe like leading up to an ask is like create a warm audience or it can be brand new and show them all this amazing content with a reach campaign. And then down the line, then you can do your ask. So they're different for unique purposes. I love that. And about what about boosting versus paying for ads? Please stop boosting. <laughs> yeah, boosting. It's just giving Mark Zuckerberg money for no reason. That's what I was. Yeah, boot. I mean, boosting. I get it, right? It's it's really when you want just more eyeballs on that one piece of content, and you can do it for like ten bucks. I get the appeal, but the truth is behind the scenes of the platform. When you're setting up a boosting, it has very limited placement options that you are not controlling. So for example, you select boost, it's just going to go on the feed. It's not going to run in stories. It's not going to run on reels. It's not going to run on video feeds. Like you can select that when you're building an ad. The other really big one is audience targeting is really limited. So I 
you just don't have a lot of control. It, look, if you literally just want engagement and some likes and some shares on that one piece of content, cool, but it's not building you a really strategic plan, in my opinion. Exactly. It's It doesn't have the features. It just, you can just pay some money and you're not really sure where it goes. So what if you are just starting out? Like what if you're a really small nonprofit at what stage would you run lead ads? Like, how do you know you're ready? All stages. <laughs> so, Start building that email list. That's what I always say. Yeah, always. Right now, day one, whether you have zero followers, you just built your page. I mean, I'm a solo entrepreneur. I wish I had started running lead gen ads earlier. What I always say that ads allow us to do is reach the right people with the right content with the desired action I want them to take. So forever and always, you want to grow an email list. And if you feel like your email list is stagnant and it's not really growing consistently with engaged people, lead gen is a really great way to keep that list populated consistently. And how often do you run these ads? You run them year round? Yeah. I mean, I'll usually pop up. So I set myself, I don't use this all the time, This is another big thing. Going into the new year, if you do not have within your marketing budget, and honestly, social ads could run in every division of your organization's budget because you could talk about programming, you can talk about comms, you can talk about it's all different facets. Create a line item for ads. My budget for myself is a thousand dollars a month. I rarely use that much, but if I did, I'd probably grow faster. But I would say like set a budget for what makes sense for you. And there are averages for what every might cost. So you can build that out. But yeah, I run different ads all the time. So there you want to think about what are your upcoming like business objectives. You might have an event coming up. You might be prepping for a big campaign. It might be looking for major gifts, like whatever it is. And then you really want to take a step back and think about, okay, what does that person need to see first? Because if you like come out of the gate, sign up for our event and I have no idea who you are or give to our organization. I'm like, why? (laughs) What do you do? Who are you? What is your programming? Like you really need to think about all of the beginning ads that you should run first and then be able to run those asks that you have. That's a great point that you can't start out of the gate with donate if someone does not know who you are, unless you're raising money for something in the news. This is what I always say. Like if you're raising money for victims of Hurricane Ian, that's in the news, or you're raising money for victims of the Ukraine war, like that's something in the news that people are thinking about and hearing about. So that might work. But if you are the local nonprofit down the street trying to raise money for your annual fund, yeah, I wouldn't recommend spending money on those kinds of ads in the beginning. I think, do you have to work up to that? Yeah, I think you just want to create a little bit of lead time for yourself. Like let people remember, I mean, it goes back to like a reach campaign. Let people remember and make you top of mind and be like, oh yeah, that's an amazing program that they do. That's great, like watching a video. And then when your ask comes up, they're like, oh yeah, I remember. I just watched that video a couple of weeks ago. I would love to give to what they're doing. You know, you just you just want to make it relevant because in our daily lives, we're inundated with so much content. Well, this is a question that I get very frequently. I just got it the other day, actually. A student in my course asked me, what should that line item be? How much does this cost? 
Yeah. So there's a site that I like to use. It's called Revelbot. And it shares like updated ranges of costs at any given time. But just to kind of like break down how it works is there are three main factors. People are like, how do they create how much it costs? (laughs) There is an auction that happens behind the scenes. So honestly, it's just supply and demand. There's the value, which is, this is a big one, the value that Facebook users get from your ad. And Facebook measure this, honestly, just based on how well your ad is working. So if your ad is making people stay on the platform longer than it's working, then they want to keep running your ad, right? And they want it to be seen more. And then there's the estimated action rate. So like the rate about somebody taking the action that's desired for your ad. So those are the three ways that the factors that make up how much it will cost. Specific numbers for a reach campaign, it's based on impressions. So currently, the average impression cost, which is a thousand people, is about ten bucks. So I like to say you can run a reach campaign. I teach it for a dollar to three dollars a day, and then just build that up over the course of a month. Lead gen is estimated by $8 per lead. So times that, how much, however. So if you think about it, like if you bring in an email, and this is all relevant when we're recording this in October, but, and you go on Revelbot and you can see if this evolves per month. But what I like to think about is I have a lead gen campaign that was running last month and mine were coming in at $5.60. I don't have any service or product that's $5, right? (laughs) So at the end of the day, and I doubt it'd be very limited for people to come in and make a $5 donation and that's it, that that is a great return on your investment. If you say that if you spent $8 to acquire an email, they become a monthly donor for $25 a month. They then attend your event and they buy a table. Then they, you know what I mean? Like what is the lifetime value of that donor? And then for a donation slash it's really a conversion campaign, but you're picking donation as your event. You have to play detective a little bit. And here's why. The iOS privacy changes don't allow Facebook to have the full picture because we've seen it on our phones, right? When you go to a an app or something and it says, will you allow Facebook to track? It literally says this. like, And you say, do not allow or allow. I love the wording. <laughs> It's like, do you want to be tracked across the internet? Of course, people are going to pick no. Of course. Right. So if you've chosen that, then it can't really get your data. So the Facebook ads manager for anything where you are being taken, they are being taken off of Facebook or Instagram, cannot fully track all of that data. So your ads manager might say it's costing you $60 to acquire a new donor go into your CRM, go into your donation tool and see what that is actually saying of how much during that time period it's costing to acquire donors. I like to suggest 30 to $60 a day for donation-based ads. I just had an org that was coming in at around 40. So you just need to play detective when you're running those ads, when you're taking them off the site. So For your question of how much does it cost, it ranges. It varies based upon the ad campaign that you're running. But what's cool is that it's data-based, right? So you can look at estimates and you can gauge, okay, if you're saying a lead gen is $8, I should budget 
X so that I get a hundred new email leads a month, you know? Exactly. It just, you know, it makes the point that we need to be strategic with what we're doing. We need to stop throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying to see what sticks. Like we really need to focus on what we're trying to achieve and put money behind what we're trying to achieve. So actually that gets me, I want to talk about how to figure out where we should advertise. So why don't we do that first? And then I do want to definitely talk about measuring effectiveness because that is a huge piece of this puzzle. How do we continually test? How do we measure effectiveness? But first, you know, if we're interested, how do we figure out where we should advertise? And I know that Microsoft just announced $3,000 in ads and I have no clue where those go on Bing. I don't know. (laughs) I just saw that honestly in my inbox this morning. So how do we, like, there's all these places where we can advertise Facebook, Instagram, Google, Microsoft, like how do we figure out where will be the best for us? Yeah, I think it goes back to asking yourself as an organization, what's my business objective? So on Google, and you have to also think about how does the audience use each of these platforms? On Google, we are off, we're searching for something, right? So you're paying per click and to pop up first on a search. I mean, go to Google and type in anything. So as an example, like before this recording, I did a test for, I put, I typed in food pantry. And my local Atlanta community food bank popped up first. So Google understood where I was. And based on that relevance, because they had Google ads running, their ad popped up number one. So if you are a localized organization, that can really be beneficial for you on Google because Google really focuses on trying to give you what's nearest to you as a search. I did not put in Food Pantry Atlanta, by the way. I just put in Food Pantry. I think it's interesting to test what would be different search terms for your organization for Google, but it's more, again, an information-based pay-for-click versus Facebook and Instagram has many more ad objective options and way more ability for creativity, right? I mean, on Google, you're it's text-based. You're not really telling a story. On Facebook and Instagram, you can do reels and videos and carousels and graphics and all the things. So they're very different. Honestly, if you can do both, I would do both and experiment and see what makes sense and what results you get. And honestly, like Julia, it's, it's testing. Like all day. <laughs> you, we, I had this great conversation in an earlier podcast um, this year with Mark Dobkins from Forever Projects. And I loved how he explained this. He's like, Dana, when we hire a new employee, we don't just fire them when they don't figure something out the first time. And he's like, we have to give grace to the platform a little bit. Like it literally even says when you run an ad, it's a learning. <laughs> There's like, there's a little, like little dot that pulses and it says learning phase. And please, for everybody listening, if you run an ad and a day later it's not working, don't turn it off yet. <laughs> like, right. Well, it's like eating one salad or going to the gym once. Like you got to do it more than once. Yes. You have to let it play out. The The old rule for ads was four days and you turn it off. It's not like that anymore. It's It needs to reach a certain amount of impressions, usually over 3,000 impressions, to be able to 
reach enough people to see if your copy and your creative is working properly for that audience. So you have to give it some time and test different copy and test different creative. And what's great is those ads, if they're not working, it's not a failure. It's teaching you. It's giving you back data and results that you can then tweak and continue to iterate on. So don't get frustrated. Just be like, okay, that's interesting. What can I learn from this and evolve? Exactly. You wouldn't send out a direct mail appeal and have it not work and then just never send direct mail ever again. (laughs) You would iterate and learn and say, oh, is it the timing? Is it the envelope? Is it the story we used? Is it this? Is it that? I'm thinking the same for email. Um, If you do an email appeal or any kind of email marketing, you're testing subject lines. You're looking at what are people clicking on? What are my open rates? Maybe my open rates are better on Wednesday than they are on Friday. I think a lot of marketing, actually 90% of marketing is just testing and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. So what are some of the best ways that you've seen to get people to convert from ads? So it's been really less about specific audience building. So we used to get really granular on the interest of Julia likes ice cream. RuPaul's Drag Race and Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. And Queer Eye and the, you don't probably, but I was going to say the Mets here in Boston. Uh, The Red Sox, but thank you. (laughs) But I do like Queer Eye. (laughs) My New York brain hit there. So the Red Sox. So that would give you a really small audience these days. And that's not what the platform is looking for. It's more about your messaging and your visual. And when I say that, I don't mean with your visuals that you have to get fancy. Actually, a report came out from Meta just like a couple months ago talking about how raw real content is working better. Note why reels are. But really your messaging, like talk with personality to who you're trying to reach. If you are trying to reach an age range, think about culturally like what's happening in that audience and what words and what language you use. And it's a really, really, really big deal. And I think we try and be really stoic and professional in copy sometimes. And that's not what's going to get somebody to move the needle. I think the ads library is one of my favorite tools of all time where you can search for pretty much like any organization that might be running ads. And you can see if they have any ads active. So IJM is one of my favorites. They do a beautiful job with their ads. So if you go into ads manager, just type it in in Google and just type in IJM into the search bar and you'll see any active ads that they have going on. And just look at their copy and look at their visuals. I mean, y'all, I feel like everyone's using Canva. (laughs) Yes, I know. Doesn't have to be complicated. I use Canva for mine, but test reels, test graphics, test different copy, And just really think about who you're trying to reach and what's going to resonate with them. Love it so much. And I know you're working on a very special project. I wonder if you can tell us about that. Give us a little sneak peek into what you're working on. Yeah, I am. So there's, I'd say two things. One is I am super pumped because I'm getting to work with Meta on a three-part ad series workshop, which is really exciting coming up this fall. So I'm pretty pumped with that and getting to work with nonprofits on some 
great ad campaigns. And the second thing would be just like we were talking about today, I think based upon where we are, maybe in our own journey, you might have different goals about what you're trying to achieve. And so I just released three different like DIY ad courses for visibility, lead gen, and generating donations. So those are also open too. Amazing. So where can we find you? You can head over to positiveequation.com is my my main jam. Podcast is Missions to Movements. I know we were talking about it just before and I, I think it's so fun. I really try and share, like take people behind the feed and the podcast is all about sharing digital case studies and stories from nonprofit and for-profit organizations. And then you can find me, my social platforms that I focus on are LinkedIn and Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so thrilled. I can't wait to share the results of your webinars with Meta. And yeah, I can't wait to see the results of that. I think it's going to be great. It's such an honor to like feel validated that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really loving that they're finally seeing the worth of nonprofits on the platform. I should say that Meta is one of the sponsors of the Nonprofit Social Media Summit. But I really am excited that they're finally seeing that we are a force to be reckoned with and we're spending money and we're raising money and people are into our content. And so, yeah, pay attention, pay more attention, Meta. I think I also just love, I would love for my feeds to be more inundated with nonprofit content. Me too. So do it. Everyone go build an ad right now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Dana. Everyone, you can see more of Dana, um, positiveequation.com, and you can see more of her at the Nonprofit Social Media Summit. So go to nonprofitsocialmediasummit.com, sign up, register, and hopefully I'll see you in November. But thanks so much again for being on the podcast, Dana. This was great. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate it. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then you can find me on Instagram at Julia Campbell, seven, seven, keep changing the world. You nonprofit unicorn.